Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Craft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. And hey, I'm your co-host, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. We're going to fail. We're going to do something different every single time it happens. <laughs> Today's episode, we're, we're talking about land navigation. Have we been, have we been busy? Yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's been crazy since I've been yeah. here in Colorado. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> where am I? Our podcast has... It's like we're like number fifty now. <laughs> yeah, because our slacking. Well, it's our frequency. I think, like I said, man. If, you know, these podcasts they get paid to do podcasts. Right. If I get paid to do podcasts, I mean, I would be all over it. But it's just on the list of priorities. Unfortunately, it just takes a more of a back seat. It's like in the trunk. <laughs> I don't have right now. Nah. We're trying to bring it back to the passenger seat. We are at we, least the back seat. Yeah. So. Well, the whole point of planting roots in Colorado was to establish some kind of structure. <laughs> Which, which we still need to do. <laughs> My truck broke down in uh, in Colorado, not Colorado, but Nevada. Nevada. After we taught, we're supposed to undo that business or that uh, office space. Right. That That's... was an epic fail. <laughs> we spent almost more on travel than we did because of the office. Right. More on yeah. travel than the actual course. And then, oh man, and the California decides that. Yeah, we're we're struggling to get that put together. Yeah, it's hard. It. For which, all you Californians, you know that it's hard yeah. to get a range set up in California. Which is actually good, you know, the fact that we're talking on this podcast. If you live in California, whether it's Northern or Southern California, and you have a range complex that you think would host us. Yeah, private range. To train you, let us know because uh, we're having issues finding people that will let us uh, come into the state and train folks from California. I think they're they're afraid we're going to train you guys right or something. <laughs> yeah. We're going to train the militia. Yeah. Well. One of the things that the restrictions that we just can't deal with because we teach a gunfighter course is they said that you can't shoot targets that look like human beings. Yeah. Like a silhouette. Well, some of the ranges, right? Have yeah, had some that, of them. That restriction, which is weird. I guess you're supposed to shoot fucking gummy bears. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what that even would like. You're still shooting a, a target. Right. And so if a target's shaped like a person, I mean, I don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> It's, it's That's bizarre. too much for us to wrap our heads around. This Dude, it's morning. bizarro world. <laughs> Thank goodness for coffee and yoga. Yeah. Yeah. So back to land navigation, you know, land navigation, we teach it, you know, in the assessment course, hell, I've done a DVD on it. Land navigation is very difficult to get across verbally, right? You have to have. A, I think so. Yeah. I, I think yeah. a lot of the, well, obviously a lot of the ways that we learned in the military was you get a block of instruction and then you would do. Uh, what you would call hands-on, right? Or you would do practical exercises that help uh, reinforce the book material, I think, that's being taught. Yeah, we did land navigation, obviously, in uh, basic training. But the first time I did it was when I was getting my EIB, uh, Expert Infantry Badge. And you almost kind of learned on the fly. Yeah. You, did, you didn't really get well, blocks of instruction. Or well, the other thing, too, I feel like... Uh, even doing EIB ranger school, those land navigation courses were, you know, fairly basic uh, when it came to land nav. And then obviously through the rest of our careers in different special operations uh, selections or environments or whatever you want to call them, you know, obviously that got uh, more difficult as we went. So, yeah, you had different terrain, oh, yeah. different requirements day yeah. and night. Um, so, you know, the whole point of, of land navigation is really uh, the the point is you want to know where you're at in relationship 
to you know your position in the earth and techniques to get you from point A to, to point B or yeah during evasion right. during a survival scenario or just in general you know one of the things that I thought about the other day is uh, doing reconnaissance or doing surveillance of the area for hunting yeah oh yeah and you know we're, we're laying out the land we're getting our, all of our, our sites picked out you know when you set out and do reconnaissance to establish the locations that you want to go you have to be able to replicate that and go back to it yeah. so you you have to set breadcrumbs you have to establish routes you got to take a lot, a lot of good notes and then you go back and then do that again so an important aspect of land navigation is you know establishing a reconnaissance of different trails of different thoroughfares or, or ways or paths in order to set yourself up for success for survival. Mm -hmm. So if you live in the back country and you want to be able to escape and evade or move over land, you, you obviously need all this information. So hopefully, you know, this podcast gives you some information as a start point leading into further educating yourself for land navigation. All right. So the first things that we're going to talk about in land navigation are one Define what land nav is and, and survival. You know, what, what does it mean in survival versus what it means to be actively engaged in land nav uh, on your own um, versus like the contingency of survival. We're going to talk about different types of terrain. We're going to talk about different methods of land navigation, direct reckoning, terrain association, and then finalize it and, and uh, cap it off with some GPS stuff. All right. So the first thing is land navigation and survival. Remember Sear School? Seriously, how could I ever forget? <laughs> yeah. Let me smack you and remind you. Um, so I remember, obviously, it's survive. Somebody told me the acronym. I said it backwards. It's survival, evasion, resistance, resistance escape, escape, which is weird because I would think the escape. Uh, anyways, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you're trying to escape always. <laughs> always. So, you know, Sears school for us, there's part of it where we start our what we would call our evasion, mm -hmm. right? And we're breaking contact from the enemy. And so we're in a survival contingent where we're moving out, trying to save our asses and we're using what we have. Yep. You know, it could be a handwritten map. It could be recognizing terrain and associating it with something that we recall, or, you know, it could be moving in a cardinal direction. Yeah. Why is uh, land nav important in survival? Like when, when shit hits the fan. Well, I mean, for reasons why we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, you know, you've got to get from, you know, in a simple, simple terms, getting from point A to point B. So if I'm in a bad area, i.e. there's an earthquake in California, and for whatever reason, you can't use modern technology uh, to get yourself, you know, out of the danger area or out of the, uh, the catastrophe, then you've got to be able to navigate uh, to a safe area. So uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously that's why we're talking about it because we think it's pretty important. Yeah, I know when we used to do plans for operations, we always had, what do we call it, an, an escape and evasion plan. Sure. But it was it was almost protocol, right? We had a evasion corridors established. Yeah. Um, you know, when me and Kurt were overseas, there's actually dedicated units. JPRA is was uh, one of them. Uh, joint personnel recovery, something, something. It's an acronym for basically a, an, an element of combat search and rescue guys who are um, in place to facilitate our rescue if something goes wrong. 
So they're tracking the operations, planning, and everything else. And they have all these corridors set up to where shit hits the fan. They know our plan of action of where we're going to go during the uh, escape plan. It's EPA, right? Yeah, your evasion plan of action. Evan- yeah. Evasion plan of action. I used to make those for my team, my uh, sniper team, and I would make them real easy. You know, I would make them by phase lines, corridors, timing advances. So in land navigation, you know, how this relates to it is you're always developing a plan based off of your navigational route for contingencies. So if you know, hey, I'm moving to safe house A in the middle of the woods, you know, a cabin in the woods, well, what happens if you get compromised or you get in trouble along that route to that cabin? Well, you might have an alternate, you know, tent set up or a cache set up along that route to facilitate your movement in order to make sure you're good to go. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's important in that aspect because uh, when you're pre-planning all these things, you have to walk those routes in advance and you have to establish where this corridor is, where your caches are. And that's a huge part of the, the planning process, which is, you know, all revolves around land navigation. All right, so what's the start point for uh, land navigation? I think the first the first thing that we teach is you have to establish uh, your pace pace count. Right. Describe to everybody what a pace count is. So you know a pace count is you know everybody walks a different gait. You know they have a, a you have a different, different stride, different stride, right. length of that stride. And so an important aspect of land navigation is you have to be able to associate the walking distance that you're going with your physical location on the ground, if that makes sense. Yeah. So so if I walk, for example, for me, every time my right foot hits the ground, I count that as a rep. Mm-hmm. And it takes me approximately 77 reps to walk 100, 100 meters. And we do everything uh, metric because the mats that we utilize are in uh, kilometers. And so we, we measure every thousand meters as one kilometer. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that would be 77 steps times 10, right. you know, so that'd be 10 iterations of that. Or I'm basically walking 10 football fields almost, and that's one kilometer. Right. And for us, that equals a grid square on a map. Right. So you want to be able to gauge your pace count distance in order to uh, associate how far you've gone along that route. So you can measure distance. So you can measure distance on right. the map and, and figure out approximately where you're going. Right. So I think the one complicated thing not complicated, but the one thing that you have to always remember in land navigation is you need uh, validation along the route. Right. If you're walking and you walk 400 meters and there's supposed to be a stream mm-hmm. and then you walk another 100 meters at 500 meters, there's a stream. That's that's not giving you a warm and fuzzy what, what, what you're doing. Right. You need to be able to validate that and go, hey, I, I walked 500 meters. There's a stream here. I, on the map, it's 500 meters. There's supposed to be a stream. I'm exactly where I need to be. Right. You know, there's other variables like you look around and go, hey, there's a there's a stream and there's a road intersection and everything's lined out. So it just gives you better confidence that you are where you think you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Yeah. We edited that like 10 times. <laughs> different types of terrain. Well, you know, after pace count, different types of terrain establishing. One of the methods I use and I teach for basically navigation is people just to make a fist and look at your damn I'm ashy. Um, look at your <laughs> and look at your ashy ass skin on your hand. Look Wait. at your scarred knuckles. <laughs> and so if you make a fist and look at your knuckles, 
you could see kind of all the terrain features um, that are in land navigation. Uh, the first one, if you look at the first knuckle, that's a, a hilltop. Mm -hmm. But leading down that finger, down from that joint, is what we call a, a ridge line. Mm -hmm. In between the, the first finger and the second finger, in between, you have that little junction. That's a valley, right? Leading into another ridge line. If you go back to the middle knuckle, in between the first knuckle and the middle knuckle, you have a saddle. And then, um, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of different, like a depression. Right. You know, there's there's a whole bunch, especially in orienteering, there's a whole bunch of different ones. But those are the main primary ones that we use in order to navigate. What what's uh what's the advantage of like knowing a hilltop, for example? Um, well, obviously, like we talked about uh, just a few minutes ago, it gives you a warm and fuzzy. So if I can identify different terrain features, um, and then based off of my pace count and knowing where I'm at. Um, and I look up and go, okay, you know, to the north of me, there's supposed to be a hilltop. I'm at this distance. Uh, I'm in this location. And yes, that hilltop is there. That's just another reference point that keeps you properly orient oriented so you know where you're at. Yeah, like a prominent like Properly feet. oriented. Yep. Like a, and that, that's something that we didn't say, but, you know, when you're, you know, the first step, I think, out the box, and this is a more... A technical aspect of land navigation, which we weren't going to get into, but I'll just describe it because it's important. Is uh, like you just said, orient, orienting, orienting, <laughs> orientaling. God, which actually, let's talk about this word for a second because yeah. in the military, people screw it up all the time. Oh yeah, you get like uh, you know, they go from orienting to orienteering to. Oh, I, there's one that was like my my pet peeve that I was like when I heard somebody say it I was like you're an illiterate fuck. But. Yeah, <laughs> orienteering. <laughs> um, well, you, you have to orient your map, right? You, you have to do that. That's like so the the first part to that is you have a compass, yeah, and the compass has a floating magnetized piece of uh, metal in it. Right. You have to get it away from crap that's going to mess it up, and you have to take your map. And, you know, line up the grid squares that are running north-south with the compass. And then you have to move your body until you're lined up um, where, you're, where you have the um, compass on the map. Right. And now the map is oriented. Probably. The map is oriented. And now you're lined up with the prominent terrain features that you see. Right. So if you're standing, you're oriented, and you're looking out. And on your map, you see a hilltop. You should be able to see a hilltop. And go, I see the hilltop. It's directly north of me. Look down at your compass and go, I confirm that. Yeah. And so you're 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 getting all these this additional information to make sure that you're where you need to be on, on the map, if that yep. makes sense. All right, for so so for terrain features, I mean we could talk all day on terrain features, but the whole point is you have to know prominent terrain features in order to orienteer yourself or orient yourself to the environment that you're in. So it's all a direct, it's like a, all a correlation to Real life using a compass to like correlate that and and then compare that to your space or your place on a map. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point. And, and most you know most people use GPS guided whatever, yep. and they're used to it seeing in real time. You're just doing all the manual labor of that because you need to identify where you're at real time. Yeah, you know, it seems semi complex. Well, it, and the other thing that I was just thinking about is. You know, we've, we've, why is land nav important in survival and, and ultimately just having a basic knowledge of how to do it um, with a map and a compass, right? These basic tools that we're talking about, 
you need to know how to do that because uh, something major catastrophic that happens, whether it's natural or man-made, and then all of a sudden power grids go out and you don't have access to any anything that you normally would be able to use modern tools like you just talked about a GPS and your phone and all these different things, right? That always, we're so used to these things letting us know where we are that, you know, so that time and energy uh, that, that people are putting into that, you know, people that are going a little bit extra uh, in their training in a basic sense are going to be a leg up if something like that happens, right? If technology fails. Yeah, that's a, that's good points, man, because I think we're just so immersed in technology. We forget. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's the first thing that goes when the power grid goes, which is pretty commonplace in a terrorist attack or a potential anything natural yeah. catastrophe I, I mean now that we live out west i think i always think about and being from california and living through an earthquake i think about how devastating those can be and what they do to the power grid and everything else you know everything gets shut off there's no water there's no water um you know basic services are cut off all these different things right so if, if you don't have some type of basic training if you will to fall back on you're going to be relying on all these devices that don't work anymore. And you're not going to know how to, you know, get to where you need to go to be safe and get your family safe. Yeah. If we're talking about uh, methods of, of uh, land navigation, the, the main method that we've used is, is called uh, dead reckoning. Yeah. Right. You know, dead reckoning. Well, I'd say it's one of the methods that we used. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't even know because I teach dead reckoning and I don't even know if it, I'm, I'm actually teaching the the uh, the title of what it's called because right. I've always associated dead reckoning as you pull out a compass and you're orienteering off an azimuth from point A to point B right where you're not able to versus terrain association right. where you're able to compare and contrast terrain yeah it's I, it's actually a really important point that you brought up is that um, it, it's like a lot of other things that we teach it could be based off of distance terrain all these different things. Uh, about what technique you're using. Uh, for example, in North Carolina, you know, the vegetation is pretty thick during yeah. the spring and summer and dead reckoning. A lot of times you have to do it because you don't have a lot of uh, significant terrain features to help you identify where you're at on the map. So you find yourself uh, pretty frequently with the map out, the compass out, you know, doing your 100 meter pace count um, and making sure that you're staying on azimuth because that's literally all you have to help keep you orient, oriented in the right direction. Yeah. And, and at night, you, your only option really is dead reckoning. Right. Because you're walking on that azimuth because you can't see what you, what you, uh, what's in front of you. Yeah, great point. So, you know, in dead reckoning, the main categories of dead reckoning are, one, you have to shoot on an azimuth. You know, they, we say azimuth. Um, you're basically shooting on a degree. It's a bearing. It's a yeah. bearing, right? So you're, you're, you have 360 degrees. So let's say in this case, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm walking due east or 90 degrees. Yep. Um, you would walk on that 90 degrees on your compass and on your map. Now, there is a portion of it where it's uh, there's a magnetic north versus a grid north, right? Yeah. And you have to take an effect, uh, the GM angle. Mm-hmm. You know, which I'll, you will find it uh, in the administrative data on a map. Most, yeah, most uh, or pretty regularly. We won't go deep in the in the weeds on this because <laughs> it's actually it's math. It's math. Yeah, it's like uh, I think we use Lars left add right subtract. But anyways, you can look that up on your own. But understand that the you know when they made maps essentially based off magnetic direction or um, bearing uh, with 360 degrees, there's error in in the grid system that we use in lat long grids. Right. So in that grid system, 
they compensate by by putting the GM angle that you have to add to walk on heading. So typically, for example, like at Fort Bragg, I think it's seven or something like that. Seven degrees. Seven degrees. So you have to add seven degrees to I everything. You have to do seven degrees to everything that you do. So let's say you're walking due north. Well, on a map, on it's north is north and it's zero degrees. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're walking that on a compass, you have to add the GM angle or seven degrees for North Carolina. And instead of walking on you know, due north on the compass, you'll be walking on seven degrees or tilted off a little bit to the right uh, for that bearing. Right. To, to get accurate. Now, just like with sniper stuff, it doesn't really make a difference, that much of a difference until you start walking great distances. Right. And the longer you walk on that <laughs> distance, can you imagine like- It I magnifies walk, the, yeah, the error. The error. Yeah, if absolutely. Going, if you're not- uh, orient, oriented the right way. Oriented yeah. the right oh, way. Man, now we're all jacked. <laughs> yeah. So pace count, you know, is another element to that because you want to know the distance that I walked, and I and I want to know the bearing that I walked yeah, on. The direction. Yeah. yeah. So typically, if I did a leg, I call it a leg, which is a you know, I'm going from point A to point B. But if point A to point B is five miles, I might break down the legs in one mile increments in order to reorient myself at those one mile markers. Yep. So I might walk, hell, I might walk almost the opposite direction to get around certain obstacles. And so point A to point, you know, B, subcategory B, I guess, I would put, um, you know, hey, that's a thousand meters and that's a hilltop that I got to walk to. Mm -hmm. And so I need to keep a good pace kind of along the way to confirm I'm, I'm at where I think I am and then also uh, make sure I'm walking on that bearing. It's actually what you're talking about right now brings up a lot of memories about doing SFAS and learning in that process of doing land navigation that um, the more time that you spend on your plan and actually how you plan your route uh, from where you're from where you are and where you're trying to get and you put some thought into that and make sure you have good checkpoints, uh, good obvious you know bearings or directions and all, and all the administrative data that comes in there. Um, you know, the more successful you're going to be with getting to where you want to go. Yeah, that's a good point because a lot of people, especially under stressful conditions, they blow that part off. They blow it off. And then they're lost within the yeah. first. Exactly. <laughs> so, it, you know, we always minutes. teach, like, especially for special forces selection, which could be related to a catastrophe because you're panicky, you're stressed out. Yeah. And now you have a short, you know, condensed timeline. Take the time to plan your route. You know, you have to have a start point. You have to have an end point. You have to have checkpoints along the way, yep. which a checkpoint could be a terrain feature. You know, hey, there's a there's a river here. There's a road here. Exactly. Um, Backstops. Stuff that you know or you think is there. Yeah, known known uh, terrain features or man-made obstacles that are on on the map. Right. Um, Backstops where if I get to my last point and then I overshoot it, then I have some kind of like you know, hey, Highway 160 working east to west is my border. If I hit that, I've gone too far. Exactly. I don't um, want to go any further south than that. Yeah. Or something and, to that effect. And then attack points. Uh, attack points that we use. Which are my favorite because yeah. I used attack points and selection as, you know, big intersections, things like that, that were easy for me to move out relatively quickly under a heavy load because I knew that that, that actual intersection or something was there. I was able to get to that quickly and then I would actually from that attack point get in uh, or take an azimuth to go to, you know, my final point mm -hmm. and it just got me that much closer. Yeah. Attack points are really good, especially uh, like you said, when there's a lot of man-made obstacles, 
and uh, it doesn't have to be man-made, but in, no. in, in uh, Dead Reckoning, where you're in the middle of the woods, you need those kind of yeah. uh, confidence targets to where you could get that. And then, you know, once you get there, you, you reorient know. yourself yeah. to the final point that you need to get. Yeah. You might pass your point by a couple hundred meters, mm-hmm. you know, and have to move the opposite direction. But that's better than walking in the, and, tr- and trying to find a spot in the middle of the woods. Yeah. That has no impossible, almost North Carolina, yeah, especially <laughs> in North Carolina, it's difficult. You know, on day versus night, we didn't we didn't do a lot of night land navigation, uh, at least in uh, uh, in training. In SFAS, you know, you find yourself, I think, doing those early morning movements into you will start at night, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, obviously, that again, you know, kind of the, the, the real gold that I took away from SFAS and land navigation was learning how to use attack points. And then from those attack points, I would dead reckon into my final point to actually get that, that point. Yeah. I think when looking at dead reckoning techniques, you know, especially at night, one thing that I always did was, you know, I have my, my map or my uh, compass out and it's aligned with my chest and I would open my compass, look down, orient my my azimuth or my bearing and then look up and then whatever i could see yeah. at that distance in a straight line i didn't have to look through my lensetic compass to find a marker i just looked straight up and that was good enough for me for a bearing and then i walked to that obstacle yeah i was never that guy doing the uh yeah the pointy <laughs> like looking through the thing yeah. i don't even know what that the what you do. yeah <laughs> The best method is to do that because you could directly align yourself and see what you see off your your body that's oriented already, and then walk to that obstacle. Yeah. At night, it just gets shorter because right. you can't see at night. Right. And you know, at and during the daylight, you want to find the furthest obstacle that you could see. Especially, I mean, uh, and we look at a lot of things too because we were we were on the clock when we were doing it. You know, so like when I when I think about how this relates to a civilian and how they're planning, you have the benefit of actually, uh, obviously you know where you live and these routes and everything that you're trying to plan and make sure that you know what they are, you've got time to do it, right? So um, in the planning phase, you could be doing that now. Um, you know, and my, a lot of Mike and I's experiences, you know, we were in a selection or we were doing something to the effect of, you know, the clock was ticking and we had to figure out the most efficient ways to navigate uh, to points and, and stay within a time standard. Yeah, that's a, that's a real good point. What happens when you get lost and you have, I mean, what's your technique for getting lost? Because I know there's- <laughs> Don't get fucking lost. Yeah, we never get lost. No, but the, it's, uh, it's important to bring up. So there's different techniques to help get you uh, reoriented. Um, and, you know, um, a lot of them are, if, if you have the terrain to use, is terrain associating. You're reading terrain. Um, if you're down in the in a low area um, and you can't see in that low area, you may need to go up to high ground potentially to see if there's any man-made, uh, not obstacles, but man-made things that will help keep you oriented. And, and one of those things could be some type of an antenna tower or a known point uh, that, that will help kind of get you guided back into where you're at on the map. Um, another, a couple other things that, you know, if you get up to high ground and you can see, we talk about resection, intersection, all that kind of stuff and, and how that plays into, uh, you know, figuring out where you're at on the map. Yeah. You, I just tell people the first thing, cause I've been lost several times in, in selections. Um, when you get lost, you, you have to number one, stop. Right. A lot of people start wandering when they get lost. 
um, which is a broader <laughs> analogy for life. Yeah. They just start wandering when they're lost. But you have to stop. You have to sit down. And the first thing you, you do, like you said, is you pull out your map and you try to figure out where your last known understanding of where you were mm-hmm. was. Uh, if, if that point existed behind you at a, at a road intersection, maybe you need to go back to that point and then reestablish a, a known point and location yeah, that's a and, good point. and then start over, which is, a, which is a form of resection, Right. which is you get to a known point and then you resect back to the opposite direction that you were just came from mm-hmm. and then uh, which allows you to get you know a sense of where you're at right uh, one technique which it isn't necessarily getting lost it's just not being accurate is if you're looking for an unknown point in the middle of the woods and you're where you think you should be and there's nothing there a placard it could be an actual literal point one technique is the clover leaf which we you know you do in reconnaissance but obviously you do it uh, in this situation where you would take off your rucksack and, you know, in selection, we use for a vest that were like fluorescent uh, road guard vest. Yep. You don't have to have a, a vest, but putting something in a tree, a piece of clothing as a reference point to where you want to be because that's your last known point, And then clover leafing out uh, in and out around that area to do a basic reconnaissance of that area. To yeah, know. you're searching for the yeah. point. Yeah, you're searching for the point in the wood line, yeah. but you're doing it organized and knowing where your where yeah. your uh, last point is. All right, so this is this is going to be obviously a two part uh, series. This is uh, part one. Uh, next episode, we're going to talk about terrain association, and then GPS, mobile, and dismounted, and also some techniques that you could use in training to be able to uh, get better at this stuff. Whether it's orienteering clubs, rut camp trips, etc., we'll talk about some of that stuff. Yep. Um, so. Hey, appreciate you guys tuning in to this podcast. Uh, you guys could get us on social media, Soft Survivor, SOF Survivor on Instagram, Philcraft Survival. Uh, Kurtz is Kurt underscore Team Philcraft. Team Philcraft. <laughs> um, we always got to see that. And then uh, PhilcraftSurvival.com is our website. And you guys can email us if you guys have any questions at info at Philcraft Survival. So uh, until next time, stay alert, stay alive.